Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. We are talking soccer here on the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. My buddy Ryan White jumped on to explain the Premier League to me. He answers a lot of questions that I had, some basic, some a little more complicated, but really tells me the ins and outs about how the Premier League works, some of the business questions, team drama. Then at the end, he helps me try to find a team, gave me some homework to do my research. This one was a lot of fun to record. It was more like an interview. I just asked Ryan questions. He gave a lot of insight. So I'm really curious to hear what you guys think. If you know stuff about soccer, let us know what other things I should know as I try to develop some sort of fandom for the Premier League. If you also don't know anything about soccer, I hope you learn as much as I did. And if you have more questions, let us know so that we can ask the next time we try to do this. But on that note, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Join our Facebook group, The Bullpen Cart Podcast, so you can be a part of that conversation. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy this episode, guys. Again, let us know what you think in the comments or in the tweets or DMs. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I don't know what specifically to call this episode. Maybe football for dummies. Ryan teaches <laughs> soccer. But I do need to introduce... Football with dummies. Football with dummies. You heard his voice. You've heard him talk about Game of Thrones three years ago when we did that. As a guest picker on the Fun V Tailgate college football and NFL podcast is my good buddy, Ryan White. Ryan, what is going on, buddy? What's going on, Jordy? G-Man. We got to get a, uh, we got to get a nickname for me. I know. To, we should... uh, to introduce, you know? Yeah, we, I, I'm sure whenever Matt makes his uh, triumphant return, because he's gallivanting somewhere in the farmlands of Malvern, uh, he'll, he'll <laughs> just call you the youth, but we need to come up with a dynamic nickname. I mean, that works. The that youth. works. Yeah, just call the, me the youth. The yeah, youth. you know, yeah, I got the works. fresh take. The fresh yeah. takes, them fresh <laughs> takes. But I wanted to wanted to talk to you. I reached out to you last week when the news about the Premier League, the Brit, the English Premier League, potentially being allowed to be brought back in starting in June. And I'm sure you'll go fully into the details of this. And figured it was uh, appropriate to talk some soccer because we got you know we had NASCAR last weekend. We had Bundesliga, which I'm sure we'll talk about too. Uh, yep. Jared explained NASCAR to us a week and a half ago, and I need someone to explain soccer to me. I said this to you off air. Every year I try to, or I have all intentions to get into the Premier League, follow it along, and actually like learn players, learn more about the teams, find a team to follow, and I always fail. I always forget when it starts. I look up. I'm getting ready for American football and all that good stuff, and I look up and the season started. I'm like, well, shit, and I give up, and if I'm over at somebody's house or – I'm off doing something on a Saturday morning, and it's on somewhere. Um, I don't normally find myself in a bar on a Saturday morning, but, you know. Rare, every, people rarely do, yeah. Yeah, every once in a while, you know, it's on somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll watch a game. I'd have no problems watching soccer. But I'm here to learn, and you are of a number of friends, but you are the one who knows a good amount. You wrote about soccer for the Thunderblog for a little bit, so I had to bring you out. Yep. I'm glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Um, I think uh, a great 
goal will be to uh, get you a team by yes. the end of this podcast. Hopefully, you get familiar with some people and I steer you in the right direction Love and it. away from some of these, uh, you know, some of these bad teams. I've heard about some that there actually are like, like Philadelphia fans in American sports just are dicks. But I've heard some people are like actually legitimately assholes in terms of British yeah, soccer. There's, team fans. I mean, there's you know the same type of you know attitudes people have in the uh, in the states towards the Patriots or Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, they're, they're too good. They cheat. Right. You know, it's true. All of it's true. Bill Belichick also could be the greatest coach of all time. You know, true. With that greatness comes some some hatred. And there are some teams that have, uh, you know, similar aspects to them where everybody hates them because they're too good. And there's some teams that people hate because they're actually assholes. Well, so my first question to you, after this news came out, I wanted to write a blog for the Thunder blog. But I, didn't, I knew there was not an official date. So as soon as we get one, maybe I'll put write a, a quick little blog about it. But I watched the scene from Eurotrip where they go to the feisty goat and meet the Manchester United fans, and they play uh, the Morning Train, the, Sh- the Sheena Easton song. Is that okay. really what British soccer hooligans are like? Because if, if so, I'm all in for it. I don't know. You have to. What's what's this scene? What happens in this scene? Have you never seen Eurotrip? No, never seen. My parents would not let me watch that. Oh, and then, man. You know, once you hit once you hit 22, I feel like you're too old to watch Eurotrip. Uh, it, it holds up. <laughs> it's uh, okay. It's one of those you know early 2000s. I think it's like 2003 or 2004. I know I was in seventh grade when that movie came out. But they have Ashton um, Kutcher, no, Sean William Scott. No, 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 none of those people All are those in guys? it. Um, okay. I don't even know. I couldn't name you any of the the actors' names in that movie. The girl is Michelle Trachtenberg, if you remember oh, her. Yep. Um, yep. And it's three other guys. Two of them fly to Europe, they f- and they're trying to get to Germany because the, the short story is the main character has a pen, a German pen pal whose name is Mika, but it's spelled like Mike. So he thinks her name is Mike, and it's a guy. And as it turns out, he like writes her a nasty note thinking that, he's hit it, that it's a guy hitting on him and being like an <laughs> internet creeper. Turns out to be right, a girl, yeah. and he's like, oh shit, I gotta go meet this girl. So they're trying to fly out to Germany. They land in London, and they're like, all right, we have a layover. What do we want to do? And they're like, well, we're 18, and there's no drinking age here. So they go find a bar. It's called the Feisty Goat. And they go in, and it turns out to be a Manchester United bar. And Vinnie Jones, early Vinnie Jones, is the super fan who makes them sing the Manchester United uh, fan song or credo. It already sounds like a real, yeah, European experience. They sing a lot. Yeah. So they get, so they sing morning train, you know, my baby takes the morning train and, uh, but they say, instead of he comes home at night to find me watching Manchester United football team, the greatest football team in all the land, yippee. And they get hammered and they end up passing out on the Manchester United fan bus going to, to Paris to watch them go play PSG in the, in the champions league. And they keep calling the British guys keep calling the French frogs. It gets a little, uh, European trash talk right yeah a little bit of like continental racism yeah there. yeah i guess i guess uh it's all cool though because they're all what it's white and white people uh um, right yeah yeah so these are long-standing you know yeah. tensions it's not like they ever fought a war or anything um <laughs> not recently <laughs> not recently but so and actually what one quote that get, that's thrown in there it's probably the best quote of the movie is one one british guy is just saying a lot of different british words and one of the american guys just goes Wow, you guys really are on a completely different level of cursing over here, aren't you? <laughs> but they just get completely it's hammered. It's so true. They're, they're so much more destructive. 
so much more descriptive. Oh yeah. They use it's more incredible. words. They use more colorful words. Then we use more adverbs, yeah. adjectives. So is it they like understand that? Understand English language. So is it like that here too with people that are fans of Premier League teams, or is it mainly that over in England? Um, you know, just because soccer culture has really had to in in the states been like adopted. Mm-hmm over there right this is it's not you know everybody plays soccer until they're 10 and then for some reason you stop playing soccer after that right sure. i think that's pretty much everybody every suburban kid's experience in the exactly states what happened to me yeah played football um, what the mls did is they straight up copied a lot of european soccer and you see that with team names even like um real salt lake yeah Right. Real has no meaning in, you know, American English, but Real, you know, absolutely yeah. means something in Spanish. Or you have Seattle Sounders FC. FC is football no club. sports yeah. team here is a club, an actual club. Like in Europe, these football clubs were founded as actual sporting clubs, just yeah. like a country club or a cricket club would be. Um, it was a club where people would go and they would train and the best people of the club would represent the team yeah, to compete. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, like FC, stuff like that. And then some of the, you know, better teams in the MLS, at least in terms of like developing a fan base like the Sounders, um, they've written songs for their fans to sing. So they've like straight up like adopted like this European atmosphere for their soccer games. And when you go, it's very different than going to, you know, other American sports games. It's interesting. Yeah, I've been to a Union game before, and that was pretty good. I know they have, like, the Sons of Ben as the one fan section and all that. The only thing that, yeah. that's anywhere close to it, outside of the, the realm of college sports, was when I went to a Predators game. They, like, had certain sections had their own names. One was, like, Cell Block D for Section oh, D great. in the Upper Bowl. Um, that's yeah. the closest. College sports, obviously, are their own animal, and I feel like that's probably... Oh, my God, yeah. I feel like that's probably the closest we have in America in American sports. Am I am I on the right track there to what to what it is over there in Europe? You know, I don't know because I've never really been to a proper big time college football game. You know, like something you know, Ohio State or sure. um, you know something like the ACC or SEC or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of like you know culture and how you know sort of people grow up with this stuff, supporting it, it's like their local team, right? That's that's probably accurate to say. All right. Yeah. So we'll come back to the to England, but Germany, the Bundesliga started last week. What was that? Did you watch first of all? Yeah, I watched a few games. Um, Bruce Dortmund played. They um, really uh, shot off to a good start. They beat this. Uh, I forget who they played, but they beat them four nil. Um, they these are official few, league matches. They're not friendlies. These are official league matches, and it's it is kind of cool to um, hear. I'm interested to see how the NFL does it, but for uh, the Bundesliga, what they do is they still got all the mics pointed, you know, that would normally be at the stands pointed at the field, and you all you hear is players yelling, communicating with each other, coaches wow. giving directions, and everything just like you can hear it like you're there. It's real. It's very different than normally hearing the fans cheering and that kind of noise. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. It's got to be weird for the players. I'm sure. But, um, yeah, definitely a different atmosphere, but so, you know, it competition level is still high. Yeah, that's awesome. So one thing on that note of just the mics and being able to hear the fans is that's something of concern for, you know, when sports come back here of like, especially in basketball, we've seen, especially by of watching the last dance, but 
how much trash talk is thrown out there and specifically cursing. Is that a thing in soccer too with you know, the the level of vulgar language that gets out there? And how are, if so, how are they combating that? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good point. I think uh, in soccer it gets even more interesting because, yeah. yeah, it sure as hell happens, you know, for English players. But in the English league, you've also got – one thing you have to remember for soccer is these people come from all over the world and you've got these different sort of cultures all mixing. Um, you've got South American players. You've got Russian players. You've got Eastern European players. You've got African players. You've got Southern uh, European players. You've got, you know, Scandinavian players all playing on the same team. Maybe their common language is English, but, you know, when people start getting aggressive and things start, start getting spicy, people swear in their native language. And um, one Liverpool player got in big trouble a few years ago um, for, you know, calling another uh, black player like a racial slur. Whoa. Yeah. And then the whole argument, the whole reason this became a big thing was he insisted he was innocent because in his native country of Uruguay, he was just calling him a familial term. That's right? so wild. It, it gets it gets crazy and it gets all, probably even more spicy because of the clash of cultures and the you know clash of norms of what wow. people consider is like acceptable to call somebody in the heat of the moment. Wow, that's that is insane. So, yeah. do you know like in Germany are they and if you know what England's planning on doing too? Are they like an idea that got thrown out for basketball, football, hockey is due instead of the instead of the standard delay that's been in place since the Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction do like a minute or two minutes at, as the the buildup so that if there is cursing, they can dump there at, you know, as need be and, and all that stuff. Is that is that in play or is that an idea or do you know anything of that? I haven't heard about that. Um, okay. I'm not sure they're worrying about it too much. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just, no, just from what I just because it hasn't been you know talked about a lot. Is that something like on the sort of you know on the tongue of most people when they're talking about resuming sports in the states? No, I mean there's obviously a lot more stuff of formatting, yeah. testing, all that sort of stuff. It's just as a in the discussion of presentation, sort of in podcasts I've listened to that that's been thrown out there, and it's been a really interesting conversation of how would that play because now you only have a you know a 10 15 second delay but if you did a minute two minutes how does the gambling aspect work can you even still live you know live gamble god forbid yeah. there's some sort of scandal that you know someone that's working for nbc sports is at the nba playoff game or i guess he has change yeah point. he bets on the and, line before it changes yeah he bets on yeah he bets yeah. on a line or he texts his buddy who's not there because they could, they could probably do some sort of geotagging to make to show that you're not at the yeah. Wells Fargo Center, or the Staples Center, or wherever. But he texts his buddy, and his buddy makes all this sort of money. Um, th- yeah, that, that's like thought. it was just it was an interesting chain of conversation. So I didn't know how all that went. And I guess while we're yeah, on they that might subject, be having that conversation. Yeah. I just haven't heard it. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just on the, it's not related to cursing. I guess a little bit because <laughs> gambling another sin. How big is gambling on? soccer is it is gambling i feel like i should know this but how legal is sports gambling in europe in england all that good stuff and how big of a legalized culture is it over there it is it is huge it is almost the sport um and it's so big you know i get i think one big change looking from american sports to european sports is sponsorships okay instead of having your team logo the biggest thing that's visible on your uniform, your sponsor is the biggest logo. Yeah, I've noticed uniform. that. And it's the people that pay for you. And that's 
you know, a significant source of income for a lot of these teams. And it's how they depend on um, bringing in new players is by having good sponsorships. And in the Premier League, over the past, you know, at least since I've been watching, right, I'd say at least half the teams are sponsored by different betting companies. Wow. Okay. And it's crazy because they are betting companies from all over the world. It is, you know, not just like Betfair and other English betting companies. It's betting companies from China, betting companies from Taiwan, betting companies from, you know, Malaysia. Um, It's really crazy. A bunch of international people know that um, the Premier League is watched all over the world. And they want, you know, people wherever their betting platform is to, you know, see that advertisement. So, yeah, betting betting is huge. And um, in terms of like how betting affects the sport, there's, you know, in the big competitions like England, France, Spain, right? You'd say everything is um, pretty on the level. Okay. And Italy, you'd like to say that too, but I'm sure you've heard of Juventus. Yes. They're um, where Cristiano Ronaldo plays now. Mm-hmm. What was it? This was probably 15 years ago. They got in big trouble for match fixing um, with referees. And they had, they got, um, it's called relegated down to maybe like the fifth division of Italian soccer. So that's the equivalent of like a major league baseball team getting caught for match fixing, right? Imagine the Astros when they got caught, get sent down all the way to single A ball. Yeah. So I I guess that's a natural progression to relegation because I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. For those that don't know how it works, and I know it from playing FIFA, but there's and you can explain it explain it better but there's teams that get moved up and down between leagues and here in the, yeah. in the u.s specifically with with uh baseball is the biggest version of it having you know the majors triple a double a single a and a bunch of forms of single a hockey has the ahl the echl is a double a and then basketball is the g league but in every country there's and even in the u.s there's a level there's levels below the MLS, but is that something that's ever been thought of to do in major league soccer? And that, cause that is a question yeah. that we actually got asked by a couple friends and, and could it work over here? It's a really good question. Um, to answer to the States, I don't think it could work. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and the reason is because I don't know if there's enough local support for soccer, these mm-hmm. teams kind of need their almost monopoly on the local area. Otherwise uh, they wouldn't get, you know, the gate receipts from people, right. They wouldn't okay. have enough money coming in. They need to, you know, establish themselves first and then maybe you can branch out to lower divisions. So the lower, but div- what's interesting, sorry, go ahead. No. So I think you're about to answer the question, but are the, the lower divisions? Cause you see like, even when we were in college at Lehigh, like the pigs are pretty popular. The iron pigs, they're triple a, yeah. they're an hour away from the Phillies. They're, they're major league team. But so like a team that's in the champion, it's championship is what would be the, is the next level below the premier league. Right. And then yeah, it's you know, one, it's, a, two. it's a nice euphemistic name. They call it the championship, which is the yeah. second division, but the first division is the premier league. Yeah. Right? That's actually a, another example of a sponsorship. The Barclays bank sponsored yeah. the league. So now the entire major league, it's be, it'd be like if we had the JP Morgan uh, major league, well, that's the G league in, in basketball. Yeah. It used to be the, the NBA development league and now it's the G league for Gatorade. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. but my, so long way to ask my question, championship league and that's league one, league two, like they're all super popular in their, in their local areas. Like if there's another, if there's another premier league team there, they're just loyal to their 
team, whatever yeah. level it is, they don't have a major league. Absolutely. So one thing I think the biggest difference in these lower divisions in Europe and in the States is in the States, these are thought of as developmental leagues, right? Mm-hmm. You follow a single A team, you know that that's a pipeline up to double A, triple A, and eventually the major leagues, right? Yeah. This is where prospects come to, you know, sharpen their skills, get a better eye. Older people, you know, are there, but, you know, they're really Rehabbing you know, just part or of the meat yeah. that's, you know, helping these people. Yeah, or rehabbing, right? But yeah. that's also helping the prospects, right? They're developmental leagues. Um, in Europe, these are part of the exact same league system, and these are also professionals. And because normal first division teams can go down, you know, what are you going to do? Stop following your team? Of course not. You're going to continue following your team. You see this with a lot of like teams that were super successful back in the day. Um, one of the teams I wanted to bring up. Um, and, you know, for, you know, you and maybe Emily to look at is a couple teams that are actually down in the championship now. Um, Nottingham Forest okay. and Leeds United. Both of I've these of teams were, yeah, they were big back in the day. They were the richest team in England in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Just as big as Manchester United for, you know, six, seven years. They invested a little bit too much money. And the one year they did not qualify for the European Champions League, which means they missed out on, you know, $200 million. Um, didn't have enough money to pay all their players. Whoa. Went bankrupt. Had to sell all their players and drop down a few divisions. Now, of course, they still have tons of fans, you know, that joined them when they are then. Like, you know, what are you going to be a bandwagoner and ditch your team, you know, yeah. just because they go down? No, of course not. That's so incredible. it's interesting because, you know, these in, the, in these teams, you know, especially for places like Leeds or Nottingham, right, are the city. They're not just, you know, a, a region or something. They're very much more local and personal for a lot of for a lot of people. Wow, that's that's really interesting. So, like, kind of building off of that, so, like, their budget determines everything then, right? So, like, they could, in theory, if they got an influx of cash, the way they would get better is their homegrown guys get you know, get better and they just go out and buy different players and like the reverse could happen if a guy ends up being you know i don't think there's an is, i'm guessing there's not an mvp trophy of each league or something like that yeah, there is people oh, there still is. give okay. out the player of the year yeah okay um yeah i know there's like the fifa awards um when they they always yeah, talk the about ball that and Dior. yeah the ball best and player Dior. in europe yeah. yeah um i didn't know how it worked league to league but like yeah a guy who might be the MVP of the international league at triple a, uh, you know, he would just get promoted and would like a guy that's the, the MVP or the equivalent of that in the championship league. Like if his team gets promoted, he just stay there. Or is it possible he gets hawked from, you know, a a richer team, like one of the Manchester teams or um, Arsenal or Liverpool or somebody like that. So what's interesting, you're thinking of when a team gets promoted because a player does well. Mm -hmm. What you normally see is actually when a team gets relegated, their best players say, why would I continue to play with this team in a lower division? I want to play at the top level. So those players don't stay with the team. So how does it it year-to-year contracts? Do they sign long-term deals? Or like, how does that work? Yeah, so it's it's usually long-term deals, right? I mean, there's tons of... You know, just like American football, you know, you don't want to sign somebody to too long of a contract. They get injured. They get demotivated. You don't want to sign somebody to too short of a contract because then, you know, you lose their value and maybe they get even better. You want to time down. Um, So there's that whole deal. But, yeah, usually people sign, you know, anywhere between 
you know, a one-year contract, let's say if they're old mm-hmm. or, you know, unproven or you're just giving them a chance to, you know, a five-year contract if you're really solid on them and you think that, you know, they're going to be around and be good for a while. Okay. Yeah. So in the case you just threw out of like team gets promoted or gets relegated rather uh, and a guy doesn't want to play for them, can he opt out of the deal or is there some sort of clause of relegation you can enter the free market or how does that work? Yeah, so I'll use the example of Stoke City. Um, they were a team that was in the Premier League for a while. They were a team really known for um, just playing dirty and playing what, doing whatever it takes, not just to win, but to get a tie. That's Whoa. how they stayed in the Premier League for about 15, 20 years. It was, um, you know, the, the joke was, okay, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are good, but th- can they do it at Stoke on a cold Wednesday night? Wow. Because Stoke... Stoke was a really tough place to play in. Their fans are savage. Their players are savage. Um, but, yeah, so a year ago they went down. They, they got relegated. finally happened. And um, one of their good players was um, this guy called Jordan Shakir. He used to play for Bayern Munich. Um, one of the uh, really good players, but, you know, his career went kind of sideways. And um, still a good guy, still a good player. Didn't want to play in the lower division of England. And Liverpool scooped him up for, um, I think, like 10 million pounds, something like that, which is relatively cheap um, in terms of, you know, players nowadays are going for 35, 40 million for, you know, not average players, but certainly not best in the world class either. Um, so they scooped him up on a good deal because Stoke knew that they couldn't afford to continue paying their players with the money that they would get in the championship. So you go down wow. from the Premier League to the championship, Premier League, every team gets, you know, 100 million pounds a season just okay. for being in the Premier League as part of the TV deal championship wow. you get okay. five million wow. so it's a huge deal to these teams with you get promoted all the riches in the world are bestowed upon you and you do everything you can to stay in the Premier League you get wow. relegated you have to cut your squad down to the people that want to be there the people that are going to work for your team wow it it makes it a you know really interesting and very savage one thing that's you know interesting to me is how like almost capitalistic european sports are i've always thought that socialism of yeah. american sports where everybody you know the worst person hey we'll give you the best draft pick yeah bud. you can you know we know you can do better i used to kid around about that with with our buddy jared of he'll be like use the uh the new york yankee fan type of lingo of oh when was your last stanley cup how many how many of you won because you know, yankee fans always say 27 rings and all that stuff and I'd be like, well, yeah. we at least didn't benefit from socialism and like threw that in his face, <laughs> you know, because uh, they, they, of course, had Sidney Crosby and Mark andre Fleury, all number one picks. Malkin yeah. was right up there. I think he was number two. Um, right. That, that's a whole strategy. Yeah. In that, sports is and they were bag a season. They weren't even intentionally tanking either. They were just that terrible. And the team almost moved to Kansas City and Mario Lemieux had to buy part of the team. So that's I forgot about that. So that's yeah. uh, it's another one. Jared's ever yeah, given you I crap, mean, in just Europe, ask. In, Europe, in Europe, why do they move into Kansas do, City? Yeah, in Europe, you do too bad. You go down, and you don't, you know, you don't have a chance to get back up until you really get your your stuff in order. So, and inside jokes aside, sorry for uh, throwing those out there to everyone else listening. Um, so, like when you get promoted or relegated, like how does that money get allocated? Is it just to players? Is, is it to giving the coach a a either raise or a salary cut or are they hiring more staff around the team like more interns more people there and in the reverse if you get relegated do you are there a bunch of people losing jobs 
Yeah, that's a that's a it's a great question. Um, it depends on the team. There's there's good ways to do it and there's bad ways to do it. Um, you look at some teams. So I'm going to take this year, this year, uh, this team called Norwich City. Yeah, I see promoted. them here. They're they're in dead last. They're in dead last. They came up into the Premier League, and they spent no money on new players. They're only going with their old players. They're using their old coach because they what they didn't want to get into the problem of is spending too much money to stay in the Premier League and depending on that money and then going back down and then being a financial trouble. Wow. This team's normally not in the Premier League. I think, you know, in their thought, they're saying, this is probably a one-off for us. We're going right back down, so let's not overspend. We're going right back down. And, of course, they're going right back down. Other teams will say Southampton is a good example of this. You see they're they're in 14th place right yes. now. They're – They've been pretty good, you know, historically, but, you know, they're not, you know, always in the Premier League. But what they've done over the past 15 years is when they got up to the Premier League, they really invested in their um, youth academies. So these are all the players that, you know, start at, you know, age of 10 to 18. And they've just made some, you know, and developed some really, really, really good players. And because of that, other teams pay Southampton for their players after they go from the academy or after they play for Southampton for a few years. And that's how Southampton gets profits and continues to invest in new players to stay in the Premier League. Whoa. So people can invest in you know youth academies. You can also just invest in players. Um, Queens Park Rangers was a team that bumped up into the Premier League for a few years, didn't invest in anything for long-term, just kept buying, you know, not big name players, but probably overspending on players a little bit too much. And now they're in huge trouble because they're in a few divisions down and they're paying off tons of debt. Wow. Okay. Um, I was about to so ask you. You can, you can really you can play really it fuck the wrong yourself way. over. You can really screw yourself over. And wow. that takes us to a good point, which is Manchester United has okay. completely screwed themselves over over the past few seasons. Okay. I don't know when you want to get into different dramas on different teams. No, I guess the last question I had, kind of in the yeah. relegation transfer conversation, how do loans work with players? Because the reason I bring this up, Jack Harrison is is he's signed with Manchester City, but he went to my high school. He's English. He then went to Wake Forest, and that was the first overall pick in the MLS oh, draft. That's sweet. And he played for NYCFC for three years, and now he plays, or actually only two years, if I'm looking at this correctly. But then he signed with Manchester City, but immediately got loaned out. So how does that all work out, and how commonplace is it? Where does he play for now? I'm just curious. So for part of 2018, he played four games for Middlesbrough, and he since then has been playing for Leeds United. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, loans are loans are interesting. Um, Really, they they're almost like a development move. Okay. The same way you would send somebody, yeah, instead of, you know, considering your lower divisions, developmental mm-hmm. leagues, loans are development moves. So if he's oh. owned by Manchester Manchester City, yeah, they are, this is the whole other topic that I do want to get into, which is okay. Manchester City and their funding and where they get their money. Um, but they're the richest club in the world by far. They're City or by, United? Manchester City. Oh, wow. They're owned by the Deputy Prime Minister of um, United Arab Emirates. Holy shit. uh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Um, So they've got, you know, one of the best teams, most expensive teams in the world. So this guy isn't getting a place in that team, right? Yeah. He played for your, no offense to you, but he played for your high school, right? Yeah. yeah. He's not 
going into Manchester no, no, City. No, no, no. He, but, there's a reason he came over from England to the United States for high school. Yeah, yeah. he's still a good player. He's yeah. still great. And they probably think that if they invest a few years in his development, he'll be worth a little bit more later. And so maybe he won't make it into their team, but they can sell him for a profit later. Oh, whoa. That's Actually, what a lot of teams do. That's what Chelsea does a lot of. And that's where Chelsea gets a lot of their money. I think they, a few, a few years ago, they had like 70 players on loan. And these players are all under the age of like 23. These are all players that may or may not be able to make it into Chelsea eventually, but they're all solid players that Chelsea owned, loaned to other teams to develop and play them, you know, for game time. Teams that mm-hmm. had lesser standards than Chelsea. Whoa. And then they play them, they get better, they sell them, you know, for uh, some type of profit. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. So, like, just as an aside, because I'm on his Wikipedia page, um, he was, Jack Harrison <laughs> nice. won the Gatorade National Player of the Year, and he was one of five international soccer players to move to the United States and win that award. And all of them have happened in the last eight years since 2012. Um, That's pretty interesting. But I guess he's also on, on England U 21. Uh, but so one thing they put here though, is that he at last, last summer, he re-signed for Leeds United on a season long loan. So is that Leeds United offering him another, another term there and they just pay him a contract and they pay Manchester city or how does that work? Yeah. So that could be them saying, Hey, you know, we actually really like this guy. Um, you know, maybe he'd want to play with us long-term and maybe we'd want to buy him for Manchester city when they're wet, willing to sell. Uh, Um, so they can't just, and so, so let's keep him for another year. Let's invest in him for another year. And even if they don't sell him, you know, again, they like him alone. You don't have to pay money up front for the player. You just pay for his salary. So, you know, it's a good cheap way to get, you know, a good player without paying up front for their transfer fee. Wow. Okay. That's We've really got that with Liverpool. I'm a, I'm a big Liverpool fan. I haven't okay. said this yet, but, you know, it'll uh, it had to come out eventually. So I'm a big Liverpool fan. We've got one young player, Harry Wilson. He's a really, really good player. He's a winger. We've loaned him out to Bournemouth for about two years now just because he isn't ready for our first team yet. And Bournemouth also plays in the Premier League. They're in like 10th place right now. And he does really well for them. Still not sure if he's going to make it into Liverpool or, you know, maybe he'll end up staying at Bournemouth, but we'll definitely end up making a profit on him because he's gotten better and he's got, you know, he's got promise and he'll definitely be a player for the Premier League. So can they, like, could, could they just say to Bournemouth, Hey, we want him back whenever, or is there a a term that they've agreed to? Yeah, there are, you can pull them back. You have to pay some type of loan cancellation fee. Okay. So let's say Liverpool's players, you know, everybody gets, you know, some broken foot and people can't play. Liverpool could probably pay, you know, a five, I don't know what it is, but for example, like 5 million pounds, you know, penalty fee to pull him back early. Whoa, okay. And then he'd be out of Bournemouth, and then Bournemouth would be kind of screwed, but, you know, yeah. Liverpool would have their player needs met. Wow, okay. But that's all contract to contract. That's not, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure A lot of this stuff that. is interesting in Europe because it's, the contracts can be very, very different from player to player or for team to team. That's really interesting. But let's let's jump into the team dramas that you were talking about. Sorry, I had a lot of business questions. I've always yeah. found it really interesting whenever I've played FIFA, so I had some of those. I'm glad you went into it and made me think of some questions, but... You mentioned yeah, the team good. dramas. Let's uh, let's dive into those. I don't know where team to start. Team dramas, man. Yeah. So, so I'm going to start off with Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool is so good this year. 
so good. I don't know if you saw the table, but we uh, yeah, after at tw- yeah, 29 games in, we've got about nine games left, and we've got 82 points. The next closest person is Manchester City, which is incredible. Manchester City has been the best team in the Premier League for the past I'm, I'm going to say four to five years. Okay. And that's, you know, kind of averaging it, right? Because they haven't won the league every single one of those years, but they've been in, you know, first or second place. Okay. Every single one of those years they've been in, they've been in the, they've been in the league. Um, I mean, and we're, and we're stomping the floor with them, right? We're 30 points ahead of them. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's big. We haven't won the league in like 20 years. So it's, it's been a long time coming. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, some big drama for Manchester City. So I talked about how they're they're owned by this uh, this um, UAE guy. They are suspended from the European Championship for the next two years, um, which means they can't win the Champions League. They can't even play the Champions League, which means they lose out. I think it's probably like 50 million pounds a year just for being in the competition. Whoa. Because of their breach of what's called financial fair play. There are these new rules. It's not quite a salary cap, um, but what it is is a limit on the amount of money you can the owner can put into a football club. And it's because of teams like Leeds United, which you know invested too much money that they didn't have and then went bankrupt and had to drop back down. It's because of teams like the Rangers in Scotland that invested too much money that they didn't have, went bankrupt and went down. Financial fair play says you can only invest the money that you bring in, you know, so in terms of, you know, that includes Premier League stuff, right? So you can still get in trouble, but um, you, you're not going to get into as much trouble. So what Man City was doing was basically this owner said, whoever, whatever players you need to bring in, don't pretend like cost is an issue. Um, I will change the sponsorship of my airline that I own, you know, Abu Dhabi airline mm. or Emirati's airlines. I forget which one it is. Change the sponsorship money of the airline that I own after you've made the sale and you tell me what, what the amount of money that you need for this player. So Whoa. what that, what that means is over the past 10 years, Manchester city has spent almost 2 billion pounds on players. That's net spend. 2 billion the next closest team is Chelsea which has spent 900 million and Liverpool has only spent 400 million. So like the disparity in spending between these teams is absolutely <laughs> crazy. And they're just Not only they spent everybody. twice as much, they've spent a billion dollars more than the next team. That's insane. Because yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And so, you know, okay, they were fined 25 million pounds as part of this deal that banned them from the Champions League for 2 years. 25 million pounds is literally, you know, what they spend on a fullback in, you know, a summer as part of five other deals. So it's nothing. Holy So it's kind of a joke, but losing the Champions League is a big deal. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's big drama for them because Manchester City and this guy, this uh, Sheikh Mansour, he's the um, part of the royal family, I think, of, um, of uh, United Arab Emirates. I don't. I definitely not pronouncing that right, but it's this fine. is Janet Emirates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, Emirates, I mean, Emirates. Yeah. I don't know if I was being it's too American. Emirates. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard I that on know. and television shows. That sounds right to me. That, I should know better, but I don't. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So this. I mean, this guy put his own personal money in, and the, what's interesting is, um, 
It's yeah, like so college football goes, boosters on steroids. Oh man, yeah, way past that, way past that. Because these guys, you know, are putting so much money into these people. I mean, two billion dollars. Um, what started these rules that, um, you know, financial fair play that they called them was Chelsea back in the early thousands. Um, their owner was this Russian oligarch, made tons of money off oil and gas, and the. Um, you know, th- this is probably an oversimplification to the point of being wrong. But, you know, from what I've gathered is this owner, Roman Abramovich, is kind of an outcast of Putin's inner circle, Vladimir Putin's inner circle, because he took so much money away from the national oil and gas companies that, you know, Putin kind of had his uh, name on a list. And Abramovich was looking for a place to put his money and hide it from Russia and put it in such a public place that he couldn't possibly be taken from. Holy and he put it in shit. Chelsea Football Club. And Chelsea Football Club was the best team of the 2000s. They had Andrei Shevchenko, they had Didier Drogba, they had, you know, they had everybody. Um, and then, you know, the pressure on Abramovich slowly died down. And now Chelsea is not just investing in big names, they're investing in youth. Um, wow. Yeah. And then, you know, financial fair play came in, which Manchester City said, all right, let's see how, you know, how much these are actually enforced and pushed it to the limit. And then they found out. Wow. Yeah. So that's some big drama right now is that not only are Manchester City struggling after spending, what is it, almost 1.5 billion more pounds in Liverpool over the past 10 years. Yeah. We're, we're stomping them. That's, that's insane. Great. Yeah, right? Isn't that crazy? That's pretty nuts. Yeah, so they're they're 25 points back. They're not a, able to go in. So is that, because they're not going to be in the Champions League, is that going to affect how they play in the Premier League? Like, is it a trend that if you qualify or don't qualify for, the, for that, that there's a gap between, you know, it's only four teams it looks like, but... Yeah. The, is there a gap so between... You, you miss out some money. Yeah, yeah. You, you lose some money. You not only lose the Champions League TV fee, which I think, like I said, is like $50 million, something around there. It's 25 to 50 But you also lose on the extra income from people attending those games. You also lose on the extra you know, branding and advertising exposure yeah. um, from people seeing your jersey on those games. Um, what's interesting too, Manchester City, you mentioned Jack Harrison playing for New York City. Manchester City's owning company from this Sheikh Mansour guy owns New York City. Oh, interesting. They have built they have built a network all over the world of lower division development clubs. And again, I, I said this wasn't the European model, but that's exactly what this guy is trying to do. So he's invested in New York City FC, Melbourne. Um, Melbourne FC in Australia, Yokohama FC in Japan, Montevideo in Uruguay, Girona in Italy, Sichuan in China, Mumbai City in India, Lommel um, in Belgium, and he's planning to buy clubs in Malaysia and Russia. Holy they're building shit. an entire net. Their plan is not just, you know, Manchester City. Their plan is to have an entire network of feeder clubs around the world to develop players to feed into Manchester City. Whoa. It's crazy. That and they're throwing nuts. and so you know, the two billion dollars that Manchester City's put in is just the tip of the iceberg compared to what he's putting in around the world. Wow. And so no other club is doing anything at that scale. So is that a direction that teams may go or rich people that own soccer teams or football teams may go, or is that kind of where this financial fair play comes in to try to curb that effort? Yeah, it's interesting. 
um, it's, you know, who knows if this will work yet, right? Like, this is still very much an experiment. He's the first one to try to do this. Um, and he has other probably political concerns. You know, mm-hmm. they've got money that they're probably trying to hide from local people. We just saw Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia, you know, like a couple of years ago, arrest, you know, all the billionaires in Saudi Arabia and, until they gave him money, right? Like Holy these shit. guys play political games that we can't even imagine. So, you know, he could just be trying to hide his money and spread out his assets so that you can't get it. Oh my god! And you know, you know, hopefully build a nice sporting empire and have fun while you're doing it. Um, so it's nobody else is doing anything at this scale yet. I mean, nobody else has the money, right? Like, unless you're talking about SoftBank or you know Warren Buffett or yeah. Bill Gates, right? None of those guys really like sports enough to do anything like this. Wow. All right, what other team drama do we got? Yeah, what else do we have? Oh, Manchester United. Yep. We have we have to talk about this. They're, okay, they're they're a sad looking bunch right now, and I'm you know I'm biased again as a Liverpool fan because Manchester United has been our sort of not bogey team but sort of big rival since the '80s. Um, their big their coach Alex Ferguson, who I will say is probably the greatest coach in the Premier League. You can compare him to Bill Belichick, Parcells, right? He Whoa. came in with the express goal of knocking Liverpool off their perch because Liverpool had won everything there is to win in the seventies, eighties. United came in with Ferguson, dominated the nineties, did really well in the early two thousands while spending less money than Chelsea. Still, they kind of went back and forth in the league, you know, every now and then. But now Manchester United has what? Hold on, what do I have? It's like they have they have debt of like a billion pounds, so they've got. They've got a lot of money that they're paying back each year. They're investing a lot of money into players that don't play well. They're spending – well, I've got this net spend here. Manchester United have spent 900 million pounds over the last few years. And, you know, again, compare that to Liverpool have spent 400. So they've spent over twice as much. And if you look at the league table, Liverpool's got 80 points and Manchester United has how many, Jordy? Do you have that up? Uh, Manchester United has 45, 45 points. They've spent twice as much money and they have half as many points. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's it's ugly over there. And they've got, you know, one big player, Paul Pogba, who's a great player, but he's very – he's an individual. He's got a big ego. Um, really, really good player. But, again, they're they're not the team they used to be. So it's, it's entertaining to me as a Liverpool fan to kind of see them – struggle with their struggle to stay relevant and stay, you know, stay in the champions league. And this year they're not even in the champions league during the Europa, Europa league. That um, is. Wild. And it's going to be interesting as um, coronavirus picks up and, you know, teams start losing this income from fans. Okay. They, I mean, honestly, I, I think Manchester United could go bankrupt in the next year, two years. So what would happen with um, that? Well, so if they go bankrupt, it means they can't play their players, and um, there's rules around that in the in the in the Premier League. Um, so they'd get they'd get relegated probably down to like the fourth or fifth division. Whoa. Um, yeah. So you mentioned all the stuff with coronavirus. So let's jump over to there. Yeah. So British government has allowed stuff to resume June first. What exactly does that all that mean? What should fans expect and where like what are the next steps in all of this? Yeah, um, it's from what I've read, it's still kind of 
up in the air like the the football association which is the like equivalent of like the uh, nfl organization you know but with roger goodell and everything right mm-hmm. um the the football association which organizes the Premier league really does not have their shit together they are kind of playing it by the seat of their pants from what everything sounds like um they're still kind of figuring it out what everything's going to look like so but i mean what we do know is people want to watch football people want to watch soccer football players want to play they want to you know make sure their clubs keep being able to pay them a paycheck so stuff will come back um what kind of restrictions they have um in terms of fans and in the games that are being held still kind of up in the air what's interesting is what the bundesliga is doing which is you can still play um during the game you know no masks are required during the game you can't celebrate after a goal by hugging people okay so you can't get close to people after the game the managers aren't supposed to shake hands after a game you're supposed to you know sort of keep common sense boundaries outside of the actual game which is played as it normally would be okay but other than that um and i'm not sure what they're talking about for training um in terms of like practice and how they're going to manage that stuff but i do know a lot of players are really upset about it um a lot of players feel like um why are we being treated like we're essential workers, you know, having to deal with all this risk and the oh, risk wow. of transferring coronavirus to our families, to ourselves, to our children, to our wives. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, d- there's nothing requiring us to play other than the fact that you're losing money. Wow. So there's a little bit of that drama coming in, which I think is a you know a super valid point, but no, for sure. Um, yeah. So I don't then, know. So they're 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 picking it up, but yeah, not without you know a few questions. That's no, and that, and you brought up a really good point because that's been a really contentious point with specifically with baseball because they never got started, and there's a lot of questions around a the money that these you know teams that normally pull in you know a ton of money, you know depending yeah. on what you know depending on which one of the thirty major league baseball teams you're talking about, uh, that a lot of money is can be on different scales, but still a lot of money regardless. And there's a huge question of players getting paid. How are they going to get play or how are they going to get paid and how will all that work? So, I mean, with the premier league, it's what it's nine match days left. So they, they play 29, they play 38 games. Where does the, all that come into play in terms of getting paid? And you mentioned the financials aspect of it. So how exactly is that all sitting? Yeah, so a lot, pretty much every team right now has had players take a pay cut. Okay. Um, initially, some teams like Liverpool actually put their players on, um, I guess, the equivalent of unemployment while their teams were suspended. And uh, the uh, the backlash to that was pretty quick and uh, pretty hardcore. People are saying, you know, hey, you guys, you know, are a billion-dollar football team, you know, yeah. don't put your players on unemployment and make the government pay for it. Um, so they're back, you know, with a pay cut paying their players. But I think there's going to be a huge, huge reshuffling in terms of what players players are paid, how players are bought, um, and just the whole economics of the game is going to have to come down to more reasonable level, levels because it's it's not going to be the same when fans can't attend a game and pay fifty you know fifty pounds a ticket and seventy five dollars a ticket. How much comes um, from the gate in terms of revenue? Yeah, I've got two numbers here: Manchester United. Um, so just over the next nine games, Manchester United is going to lose 140 million pounds. Arsenal wow. is going to lose 122 million. 
So those are those are the big teams with the huge stadiums. Yeah. Smaller teams like like Bournemouth that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, their gate receipts are pretty tiny. They're going to lose seven million over the next nine games. Wow. So the disparity between these teams is massive, just like baseball. Yeah. Um, but Manchester United, like I talked about, I mean they've got huge debt levels that they depend yeah, they need on to figure that out to yeah. pay for. Yeah. So they're they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. I mean it's not to it's just like comparing apples to oranges, but like. You know, when you over-level, over-lever yourself, you saw it with a lot of companies in 2008 when all that it's went exactly to shit. exactly the same. Yeah, all that, exactly all that blew up, yeah. Um, you depend on these future receipts that aren't, you know, yeah, aren't getting guaranteed, there. and then, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. wild to think so about. So they're, they're going to be in trouble. Um, and then people are talking about um, potentially the TV deal being reduced for the next season as well, which is going to affect a lot of teams. That's still kind of up in the air from, from what I've read. Uh, TV deal in England or globally or in both? England? Okay, yeah, in England. Just from just from what I've read in England. Does NBC paying to bring Premier League matches to the US? Does that help with the TV deals or like how does that work? You mentioned they get you know hundred million every year, or however much you mentioned. I'm sorry for, for forgetting yeah. that. But does yeah, that, that does that, that affect that it? Adds up into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think the major deal for for the Premier League is through Sky Sports. Okay. Um, which is like their ESPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that I'm, I'm again, it's still up in the air. That I think those negotiations are still happening. People are, you know, Premier League saying more people are going to be watching. Sky saying, well, people are going to have less money to spend, so they're not going to pay the same amount of money. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the same, same debate people are going to have here in the states, right? Like, who actually has the money to spend, and are people going to feel comfortable spending it? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, well, anything else? I know we've talked for an hour. Probably should wrap this thing yeah, up. Man, we can. Uh, it's gone quick, man. Jump. We can jump into this another time too, and and hear what people liked and didn't like, and want to yeah. hear more of. All right, I got I got two more good team dramas here. Okay, yeah, and yeah. And yeah. we can jump in, and we can jump into some teams for you and Emily, and you know maybe we can cut out some of the some of the boring stuff. But no, uh, no, no, no. This is, has been great. By all good, means, jump good. into it. Uh, yeah, one is Newcastle United. They've been a team um, in the Premier League for a while. You know, super working class town, right? Everybody shows up for their team. Their owner is a huge jackass. <laughs> he, he made his money in a gambling company, invests no money in the team. He takes profit each year out of the team. So instead of other teams, you know, being in trouble for putting too much money into the team, his, you know, he, he takes money out, right? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And he's in, you know, they've got, a, they've got probably, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth largest fan base in the Premier League. Whoa. Um, and this summer, the um, Saudis have started talking about buying out Newcastle from their owner. Whoa. So if that happens, they will be big players um, again, just like they were in the early 2000s. So, you know, it kind of comes up again, which is like like Manchester City. Yes, it's great for your club because you become one of the best clubs. But, you know, you kind of also sell your, you know, not sell your soul, but you know, I don't want to be that dramatic. But, you know, you do give up a little bit of like, you know, your local spirit once you start trying to become this global club that doesn't really you know depend on local people anymore but okay. so that that'll be interesting if uh that deal goes through i think um i th- i think it will yeah because they've got so many fans it's you know not necessarily a global team but it's they they, they were pretty solid for a while so they've got they've got fans everywhere and then um tottenham hotspurs okay is one other team they've been they've been pretty good for a while and then uh 
They actually were in the semifinals of the Champions League last year. Not the semifinals, sorry, the finals of the Champions League last year They when they lost to Liverpool. They did amazing. So I talked about how uh, net spend over the past 10 years or so, Man mm-hmm. City, you know, 2 billion pounds, Liverpool, 400 million pounds. Spurs have spent 75 million pounds. So they have spent absolute peanuts compared to everybody else. Whoa. Peanuts. And they came in second place in 2017, third in 2018, fourth in 2019. They really had a great peak with some solid, cheap players. And they're starting to descend. And they fired their coach that got them, like, all of this good stuff. This coach was, you know, punching way above his weight, way above his weight. And, um, you know, their owner is another huge cheapskate who said, all right, you know, if you're not going to give me the results I need, you're out. He brought in Jose Mourinho, old coach of Real Madrid, Porto, Manchester United, Chelsea. He's been everywhere. And um, if you haven't followed any Jose Mourinho drama, he is a hoot to follow. He calls himself the special one. He has the ego the size of the sun. And any type – he's like Donald Trump. It's like a soccer manager. You can (laughs) criticize him, and he'll talk for 20 minutes about how your criticism is wrong and how he's super special. And how, um, you know, you're the idiot for even thinking that he could do anything wrong. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's had a number of different jobs here, it looks like. Yeah, he he gets he gets paid a lot of money to go to different teams and does well for about one season, two seasons at the top. And then the third season, you know, it's super typical. He starts doing awful. All the tons of drama starts coming out with all the players hate him. They say like he's super negative. You know, you can't work with him. And he constantly talks about how his players aren't doing good enough, how his players have no motivation, how his players have no attitude, how his players just don't want to win. It's very interesting to watch from another team. You don't want him on <laughs> for your team, but he's great to have in the league, you know, as a sideshow. It's great. So I'm excited that he's back in the Premier League well, on a different team. So I just scroll down to media attention and controversy. One of these things is he poked another coach in the eye. Yeah. Yep. What the yeah, he's fuck? Ridiculous. Yep. Holy shit! This guy's. This is wild yeah, he's shit. A psycho. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna check that into. Yeah. Or check into that. Um. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. I feel like I've like. There's this whole world that I've just missed out on by not paying attention to to the Premier League. Yeah. Well, let's get you into it. Let's uh. Let's get you guys a team to follow. Okay. So what do you? So, where, what do you need to know? Yeah, what do you what do you need to know? You know, what team what teams are you looking at? What teams are you interested in? Um hmm. I was when I saw their their name, I was going to ask, but I feel like the fact that they're currently in 7th place on the table with Sheffield United. That's where Berkshire was in Sheffield, New England, Sheffield, Massachusetts. Um is that like at what like if I pick a team that's towards the top of the table, like do I just get called a complete bandwagon guy like how do I avoid that? Or like, is it better to buy you know, buy low on a team or, or what is the best approach here? Yeah, that's no, it's, it's good. You got to be careful, right? Because you can always pick out those people that started following the Premier League in you know, 2008 because they're Arsenal fans. You can okay. pick out those people that started following the Premier League in you know, 2005 because they're Chelsea fans. Mm. Pick out the people that started following the Premier League in you know, 2000 because they're Manchester United fans. Mm. Um, I'm happy to say that I followed Liverpool before they were good because I like Steven Gerrard and Luis Suarez back in, uh, I think it was like FIFA 11 or something like that. Okay. But 
yeah, you, you know, you if you if you join Liverpool now, you'd be you know you're started following you know Liverpool as your team now. You'd probably be one of many, one of the many bandwagoners. But you know, you also have to play that risk of if you follow a team that isn't you know cemented in the Premier League, they go down. They they might not stay in the Premier League. They could easily go down. Like Sheffield United, been playing solid, but by no means are they guaranteed to stay in the Premier League after next season, right? Oh, they're wow. a very small team. Yeah. So oh, they're doing just... good this year. They're they're I'm, if they didn't come up this year, they came up the last year. Okay. Um. They have not been in the Premier League for a long time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but they're doing. I mean, they're doing great this year. They they invested in the team this season. So would it be better? So they're doing pretty well. So let's put them on a short list. Because yeah. even I feel like that's even a good idea to buy in now. Right. Because if they if they go back down to the Championship League, then we can be like, oh yeah, we got them now. We're we're in there. Is it? You mentioned a couple people in championship is it better to look there too should we expand out to that or should we stick stick only with premier league right now yeah you can definitely go to the championship i think one thing to uh to keep at the top of your list is the history a club has you know clubs with history are have some type of magnetic force right that keeps them close to the top and clubs without that there doesn't seem to be that same type of magic that makes players and the best coaches want to want to go to them right okay so Leeds has a bit, little bit of recent history, so they're you know they're good to think about. Nottingham Forest is the other team I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, what's hilarious about Nottingham is when you Google Nottingham, the football team comes up as a higher result than the city of Nottingham, which is like on the second or third page. Whoa! Nottingham Forest, you know, is like the city. And they were one of the best teams in Europe in the late seventies and early eighties. They won two European championships, a Premier League, um, and they've been down in the lower divisions for a while now. And, Whoa! Uh, it looks like they might finally make it back up again. So, if you're looking for like a long-term investment with a team that has history, that'd be a good choice. And like you know, a... they're called Forest for some reason, which is yeah. kind of cool. I feel like it's I feel like it's an easy sell for me. I feel like though, thinking about now this with Emily. For us to both buy right. in, she might need a Premier League team now, and one that's not. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could maybe sell Sheffield, but if you're saying that they might get relegated next year, I feel like I might get some heat for that. Need me? Yeah, to... I mean, they could end up being like a project team, like Southampton. Okay, but I don't see them becoming, you know, anybody competing at the top level unless they really blow expectations out of the water. Like okay. they just don't have that pull towards the top. They would need to. They need to have a couple sustained years in the middle. Save up some dough. A bunch, a bunch, because it oh, takes wow. it takes a lot of depth. Um, because, so to stay at the top, right, you look at Wolverhampton Wanderers, mm-hmm. um, which are a solid team right now. And also, I don't, again, these team names are so funny. Some names are Manchester yeah, the Wanderers. United. It's crazy. Yeah, the Wanderers. That's sweet. What a cool name. Some yeah. teams have names and other teams are just cities. I should have had Emily then, pick a bunch and ask you all about them. Yeah. And if you look at the Wolverhampton Wanderers, their logo is not of a wanderer; it's of a wolf. They oh, call yeah, them. Look at that. So their nickname is not the Wanderers. Their nickname the is the Wolves. <laughs> it's great. So they're they're a solid team right now. They've got a lot of good young people coming up, and they had a really 
few really good seasons in the Premier League. And their last year was so good that they got into the Europa League, which is like the European competition below the Champions League. Okay. But what that means is now they've got games on Sunday or Saturday and on Tuesday and Wednesday. Whoa. So you have to have a lot more people in your squad, right? You've got to have a lot more depth. You've got to have people that you know, you can rotate through. You can't just have, you know, 12 good players like you can in the Premier League to do well. You've got to have 17, 18 good players that you can rotate through and say, okay, this guy just played on Sunday. We're playing on Tuesday. He needs a break. The guy I pull in isn't going to be a scrub. He's going to be, he's going to be a great substitute, right? Okay. And they're struggling with that. So this year, because they're in the Europa League, they're not doing as well. Um, because they're, you know, they're tired from their Europa League games. And then when their Europa League com- games come around, you know, they're tired from their Premier League weekend. So it takes a while. Liverpool was in that sort of middle area for, you know, 10 years. Whoa. Okay. From the time they last won their champion, the time they last went to a Champions League final in 2008 to, you know, 2015, 2016, they were in the, you know, area where, good enough to compete on the weekend but then they also had to field you know a fresh squad in the middle of the week wow and that okay. bears a big toll on people right these games are intense um you're, you're these people run you know 15 kilometers a game 10 miles like you know five Damn. six miles a game it depends on your position of course but yeah so that 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 plays a big part so it takes a while to build that depth and get enough money to to invest in those people but interesting wolves are wolves are good okay and so- and they're Cool logo, cool name. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think? So, what's good homework for me and Emily to do to find a team? Yeah. Um, I think you should look for teams, like I said, with history. You should look for teams that um, that um, are investing in some young players. You should look for teams that are investing in um, like scouting and okay. young players as well. Right. One thing that brought Liverpool to the top, right? We've invested a quarter of as much money as Manchester City. But one thing that brought us to the top was we invested in a world-class scouting department, world-class youth academy. And a lot of those players are now coming through. We've got um, two um, great young players who are both like 20 years old that are some of the best defenders in the league Awesome um, that we brought through our youth academy. Okay. Because we invested in that and we were able to bring in really, really good people. We rebuilt our youth academy before we rebuilt our, you know, actual senior like training facility. Whoa. They okay. said our young people are going to get the best of the best. We want the best young people coming to us. That's More cool. than we want the best senior people, right? Yeah. So like you want you want people focused on long-term long-term goals. Um or, you know, you can go, you know, the people with cash, right? You know, maybe that's going to be Newcastle soon. Um Chelsea um a little bit down in the dumps right now, right? But they they're still always going to have money. Manchester United would be a little bit of a hipster play now, almost, right? Counterculture. Mm-hmm. They're so down. Nobody's going to you know choose to support them now. But because they have that history, you know, maybe they have a little bit more down to go, and it might be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. But you are always going to have that hope that you know next season or the season after that you're going to be with the best of the best. All right, all right. This is yeah. good to know. Yeah. And if uh, you're a Harry Potter fan, you know, Ronald Weasley's favorite soccer team was West Ham. Oh. And they're in the Premier League right now. That might sell Emily. That might be uh, <laughs> that might be her team. Yeah. She's a huge Harry Potter fan. Yeah, that'll do it. I did not know that. They, they actually have Manchester City's old coach. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mauricio Pellegrino. Or no, they just let him go. 
they actually just let him go. But they've got mm-hmm. a lot of good players. They're a little bit disorganized. They're still trying to figure out, you know, how they're doing, what they're doing. But but they're solid. They're, okay. they're going to be good for a while. Yeah. All righty. Well, Ryan, this was a blast. I'm glad we did this. Yeah. This was good, man. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Um, I'll try to check out some Bundesliga this weekend. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. We're recording this Friday yeah. night, uh, so it's supposed to rain all day Saturday here in Philly. So no yeah. golf for me, but uh, Sunday I'll be doing that. Uh, Sunday you need to watch Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. Those Ooh, okay. are the two best teams in Germany. Borussia Dortmund has um, some of the best young players in Germany. They've been a team that's just been so good over the past few years. And they actually – Liverpool's current coach who brought them to the top of Jurgen Klopp. So I don't know. Somehow I haven't talked about it yet, but he's the best coach in the world by far. Incredible. Okay. He brought Borussia Dortmund from the bottom you know, levels of the German Bundesliga to beating Bayern Munich with almost no money. And then because Borussia Dortmund was you know, broke, they had to sell some players and they started you know, falling down a little bit. But Jurgen Klopp's the person who brought Dortmund back to where they should be. Um, Whoa. And they've got, they've got some good um, young English players, some good young German players. Christian Pulisic, the uh, yes. American guy. Yeah, he just he came from Dortmund. He's where he, that's where he developed to. Whoa. Fellow uh, Harrisburgian. to watch. Yeah. Like yeah, Emily. It's crazy yeah. that they came from PA. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to everybody who listened. Seriously, let us know what you thought, what you liked, what you didn't like. I'm sure when we get a definitive date, have you back on, you can, uh, hopefully we'll pick the team and you can tell, tell me what wrong decision we made in that. I'm (laughs) sure you'll have something to say, but um, seriously, everybody let us know what you think. Um, Tweet at us. Thunder BLG is the handle for the Thunder blog. Uh, Subscribe to it. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Join the Facebook group, the Bullpen Cart Podcast. Be a part of the conversation. And that'll do it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ryan, thank you again, man. This was a blast. Thanks, Jordy. Appreciate it, man. All right. Everybody, go whatever team Emily and I pick.